This podcast is brought to you by Microsoft. No one ever thinks negatively about talking nicely and positively about somebody else. But sometimes when we have to do it ourselves, it's difficult or it's not received well. So if, if you want to do something to help women uh, or, or, and other minority groups, amplifying their achievements is a really easy and impactful thing that you can do. Welcome to the Techunista podcast. Hi, my name is Viviane Bendermacher, one of the managing directors and founders of Techunista, and humble host of this series of very personal conversations with leading women in technology. In each episode, we will speak to a very inspiring woman in IT and tech. How did they get there? Which rookie mistakes did they make? And of course, we want to know all about their work. What makes it so exciting? This episode's leading woman is none other than Jessica Hall, Chief Product Officer at Just Eat Takeaway. She has loads of experience in transformational change and has a particular interest in improving inclusion. And that, dear listener, is what we love to see with our guests. So here we are at the European Women in Technology event in the middle of the bus at the Ryan Amsterdam in our glass box. A perfect metaphor for the glass ceiling we're shattering at this event. Jessica, you were on stage this morning. So how did it go? Yeah, it went really well. It was, um, I was talking about sponsorship here, which is one of my um, real passion topics, helping people understand what we mean by sponsorship and what they can actually do to help the women around them and, and how we can actually level the playing field and smash the glass ceiling that you're talking about. Um, really well received and it's been really great connecting with so many women here today. I've really enjoyed it. And, and in a nutshell, what is that sponsorship for all listeners? Well, in a nutshell, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to uh, explain everything that I would say. But really, what I'm talking about is how we can put women in positions to help them succeed. And, and it is really about us spending some of our reputation on helping them to succeed, putting them into opportunities they wouldn't have, connecting them with people they wouldn't normally meet, sharing information with them that they might not normally have, which will help them to, um, to do their job better or understand the context that they're operating in. It's something that's been happening in all of time. Um, I'm just putting a focus on it so that we can really help women to succeed on their own terms. Why is that so important? That is something which is deep in my career. I started my career in, um, in technology about 15 years ago. Um, and I've worked in some of the world's biggest organizations or large retail chains, global and UK based. Um, and now I'm at Just Eat Takeaway. And early in my career, I saw the people at the top of the organization and I couldn't see myself in those people. They were super confident and I didn't feel confident. You know, they were, they were men. I'm obviously not a man. Um, and the way they behaved and the things that they did, I, I just felt that I would have to really change to fit in. And actually, I really considered leaving the industry because it felt like a change too much. It would compromise my, my sense of self to change to that extent. And so for various reasons, I did persist And I'm now sitting here in this position as a woman who has succeeded on her own terms, who has found her own voice and continued and driven a career 
um, being myself. And I want that. I want that for other women and other minority groups. I want them to be able to succeed on their own terms. I don't want people to have to compromise their sense of self just to fit in, just to get on. And that's why inclusion matters so much. That's why I'm so passionate about this. And if we don't shine a light on sponsorship, what we actually do is perpetuate an affinity bias. Affinity bias is about you know, being drawn to people who are like us and confirmation bias that keeps telling us that that's working. And uh, while we shine a light on these things, it, it asks us to make better choices, to think about the biases that we've got and then make change. If we're going to level the playing field, we've got to help women to be themselves and get on, succeed on their own terms with their own voice and, and be their authentic selves. And we all know, if we think about it, that when we can be our authentic self, when we can stand in our own power, that is when we can perform at our best because we feel so good and people who feel good perform well and that's what we want and you know that's what everyone wants from from the work that they do that sense of purpose and uh, well-being and power and I, I don't mean that power in a you know organizational sense but you know a personal belief and a personal confidence and you know if we can start to change that and help people recognize that then um you know, I think that's when we see real change. Wow. <laughs> Talking about a great opener for an episode. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome and very inspiring. Who was your sponsor then? Or, or, or who or what actually changed the feeling that you should... Conf- uh, uh, how do you say that? That you should change to fit in. So I think the changing to fit in thing was me at the beginning of my career kind of looking around at those that were that were successful and and not not really seeing anyone different and therefore thinking well okay so so if if I want this senior job and I've always been really driven in my career so if if I want that I need to change but but I couldn't bring myself to change because I didn't want to I didn't I you know I, I wanted to actually be myself so it, it took a lot of thought and it and it And, you know, to be very transparent about it, it it knocked my confidence. I had low times where I thought, I, I might not succeed. And um, am I doing the right thing? And, and that was where I started to think about, you know, is there a different industry for me? Am I in the right role? I have been very lucky over the years to have a number of sponsors. But I didn't necessarily recognize them as sponsors until later. And once I started to understand the topic and recognize the impact it had had in my career, I really um, I really wanted to bring that to other people. I had a number of them in the early days in different guises, and I talk about this with a lot of people. Sponsorship starts with mentoring, building relationships with people and getting to know them. And then it grows. From mentoring, you can grow to strategizing, which is about sharing information that that person might not normally have um, and helping them make better decisions. It grows from there to connecting. If I recommend that you meet up with somebody, a little bit of my reputation or my relationship with you rubs off and they automatically go into that conversation thinking, well, Jess has recommended I talk to this person. They're probably they're probably quite interesting. Then you get to giving 
opportunities, projects, and, and the last and most powerful, you know, most impactful piece of sponsoring or the top of the scale is, is really advocating for somebody in a room where they can't advocate for themselves. So when you understand that scale and reflect on it, you'll have had lots of people. Um, when I worked at Sainsbury's, which is a UK grocery chain, um, I had a great sponsor who was very much that strategizer and connector. She, she connected me with all sorts of people. She shared with me information. She helped me plan how to approach some of the things. I think traditionally we wouldn't have necessarily recognized that as a sponsorship relationship, but it very much was. But if I think back to the most impactful, I would say um, back when I was working at Tesco and I'd actually just returned from um, having a baby and maybe some of the listeners will identify with um, what that's like and uh, felt a little bit lost um, and not quite sure what to do. And, you know, I met, I met this guy and he, um, he recognised that I had some potential that I didn't see myself and created a role which actually allowed me to fly. And I knew, you know, that was absolutely at the far side, the advocate position, and I knew I had his backing. I knew I could make mistakes and it would be okay and I could learn. And when you feel that you have somebody in your corner like that who's really helping you but also pushing you to grow, it's incredibly powerful. And if I think about my career as a trajectory, you know, a line that's going up, the time that I worked with him and I benefited from his sponsorship was absolutely the time when um, that had a sharp, steep uptick, you know, one of the steeper lines on my, my career trajectory. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful for that and I want to pay that forward to other people um, but in describing that scale, connecting, strategizing, I also want people to realize you don't need to be in a role like mine to give opportunities you can be in um, you know starting out your career but you still might have that information to help somebody else or you still might have connections that can help somebody else and uh, if we can all make those small steps and if we go and all help women make it up that scale we'll see change very powerful thanks and also a big inspiration for our listeners i think so we always ask our previous guest if she has a question for the next guest and our previous guest was roxana tudor she's technical director at ubisoft And her question happens to be the one we always start a podcast with. So here it comes. What did you thought you were going to do growing up? And how is that compared to the actual thing? When you were a little girl, did you dream of becoming chief product officer? I mean, no. <laughs> you didn't. I didn't. Because <laughs> chief product officer didn't exist as a job when I was a little girl, which is giving away my age. But... Um, No, I didn't. And actually, I didn't dream of a career in technology at all. Um, I, I was interested in um, some subjects at school that are in the technology space, but I, was, I wasn't a particularly science-focused student or maths-focused student. And... In some ways, I actually consider myself to be very lucky because what I, I went to university to study business. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. I was quite interested in advertising and marketing, 
and that side of things. And um, the more that I kind of un- learned about technology, I started to be really interested in it. But obviously, I hadn't done a computer science degree. I couldn't go and be an engineer. And quite frankly, I would be a terrible engineer. I have done a little bit of engineering throughout my career, and I've never been <laughs> never been very good at it. Which is why I'm very grateful to have excellent, excellent engineers, and a, and I work with a great CTO at Just Eat Takeaway. Um, so, how did I end up here? I ended up joining a graduate scheme in the UK, which was a kind of technology-focused leadership scheme. And through that, I got the chance to do a whole load of different roles, business analysis, some engineering, um, unsuccessful engineering, (laughs) architecture, um, project management type stuff. But back then, even then, product wasn't really a thing. Although the work we do in product was happening, but it it wasn't under that umbrella. And... um, and the, the opportunity to move around lots of different roles gave me a great broad um, start to my career and that has led me to where I am here now. Really, I love doing transformation and change and that's a big part of the role that I do at Just Eat Takeaway. Um, and product is, I mean, ultimately about bringing brilliant product and change to customers and delighting them and transforming their experiences. So it fits very well with the things that, um, that I really enjoy. Um, so that's that's how I got here. I didn't dream about it as a little girl. I actually wanted to be an Olympic swimmer, but I didn't make it to that. <laughs> you, you, you can try. <laughs> I'd need to try probably quite a lot more. <laughs> so I said it already, but we're literally in a glass box. Do you feel you shattered some glass ceilings in your career along the way? Um, I think sitting here today as somebody who succeeded on their own terms as chief product officer in a male-dominated environment, the answer is yes. But let's be honest with all the listeners that that's still quite hard to say because, you know, as women, we're brought up to be humble and to be uh, to, to get on with our job. Um, so to reflect and uh, be honest about, yes, I have achieved something. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> But I always like to be honest with people, you know, Yeah, I did. And I'm really, I'm proud of what I've achieved. Um, but I think probably lots of people can identify with it being hard sometimes to to really lean into that. But isn't that also about sponsorship, being a role model? You need, you need to claim some successes, right? Yes, definitely. And I wholeheartedly recommend people do that. I recommend you do that in small ways and big ways like write down when good things happen so that you can go back and remember that especially when things are really hard um because we can forget some of the successes we've had i also would like to to talk to any allies out there that um this concept of amplifying so um so i don't have to brag about my achievements because you can you can tell people what i've done and i can tell people what you've done No one ever negatively, uh, no one ever thinks negatively about talking nicely and positively about somebody else. But sometimes when we have to do it ourselves, it's difficult or it's not received well. So if if you want to do something to help women uh, and other minority groups, amplifying their achievements is a really easy and impactful thing that you can do. A great way to start. I mean, it might even point out some awesome things you did yourself. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, we're, 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 we're our own worst qu- critics usually, yeah. and um, hearing it from somebody else is a great way to reflect. Working on taking compliments is a good thing. Absolutely. So let's focus a little bit about your current role, on your current role. You're a chief product officer at Just Eat Takeaway. What does a typical day look like? So you, you get up in the mornings, take a shower, get a cup of coffee, and then what? There's no typical day in my world, and that's one of the reasons why I love it. Um, so we are in 22 markets. We have over 600,000 restaurant partners. Last year, we served 99 million customers. So the scale of the work we're doing is huge. Um, and so the impact of the changes that we make is is quite astounding. And it's something I often reflect on and... Um, And sometimes I can't believe I get to do a job like this because it's amazing, it's great fun. Um, I'm doing lots of work on transforming our team and um, helping everybody to feel more purpose and focus. And we're really building some great leadership skill, um, which I'm so happy to see coming through in the team, building more opportunities for people to grow, you know, uh, broadly and horizontally, not just up the career path, which is so important. But there's a big part of my role which is absolutely, you know, looking at what's the app that's in the customer's hands, what features are we developing there, how does it look, making change there. And my role encompasses all of the technology that we do. So it is customers, it's also restaurant technology, it's also courier uh, delivery technology, customer services and lots of other things around that. So huge variety, lots of context switching, lots of different discussions. Um, but I absolutely love it. You can tell. <laughs> yeah. So what is the most challenging thing, challenging thing on your plate right now? Well, there's a lot of challenges, which is part of the reason why I love the role. One of the biggest ones is one for myself. I like to go fast. And um, actually, some of this change needs time. Culture change is hard and long and people also get fatigued by change and I'm really really aware of that so I you know spending time on things when I want to rush ahead is a personal challenge um in terms of bigger challenges actually I think that um our organization has grown from a number of mergers um, and acquisitions and so we actually have a number of different platforms that we're working on and different Um, pieces of technology and so consolidating those bringing them together and really thinking about what the future should be how we should operate and you know how we serve customers better those are things we're working on but those are big challenges as well because um, you know consolidation is um, is a big topic so you hear a lot about super fast grocery delivering uh, startups right nowadays Do you think these are the biggest new competitors for companies like Just Eat Takeaway, or is it just a whole other ballgame? I, I think they are, uh, they are obviously in our space, and we are delivering groceries on our platform as well. So obviously there is some competition there. But we've got a broader offering um, because we're also delivering prepared meals. And I think, you know, from a business perspective, that, that means we've got a bit more variety. Our platform's serving kind of different customers and we're bringing new opportunities to engage with us to our customers certainly those uh, the super fast grocery you know big competitors of course um, but actually just in one 
one area that we're working in and he's interesting he's kind of adjacent to the, the, the core business for us which is um, which so it's a little bit of a different lens on it so back to your career is there something in your career that you should have done differently there are millions of things I should have done differently <laughs> yeah. um, and some of those are really small things that I sometimes wish I'd uh, responded something more quickly or considered my response better it's hard to pick out a specific thing that I regret or a big big change I believe in taking opportunities that are presented to you and I believe in finding a way to make them work but sometimes that's made things really challenging and hard my whole attitude is continuous learning continuous questioning and curiosity if we talk about just women in tech in the last 15 years the whole kind of journey has changed and we you know we're much more aware of um, you know the intersectionality of women in tech with other groups like LGBTQ plus and we weren't really talking about that in the past and I think constantly questioning learning asking ourselves how we can do things better is a very healthy way um, to move forward in our careers yeah and share those stories yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not perfect definitely not <laughs> no one is but thanks for pointing that out <laughs> So what will your next move be? What, what are you aiming for in your career? Well, um, right now my focus is to continue in this role and continue to work on the transformation that we've been doing and building our product to something um, absolutely world-class. And I'm very focused on that right now. In the future, I really want to continue to work on inclusion and, and things which positively impact the world which is a personal purpose for me. I don't know what the right role will be, um, but I'm very driven and I'm looking. There will be an opportunity in the future. I know something will come um, and I'll know that it's right when it's on the table. But for now, I, I love what I do. I love this role and I'm really enjoying it. And, um, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity to be able to do this job. But please reach out if you become an Olympic swimmer. I will. <laughs> You'd love to know more front, about front that journey. <laughs> so that brings us to a segment where we ask the input of our Techunista community um, via our Instagram account at Techunista. Women in tech can put in their questions to role models such as yourself. And today's question is from, and I hope I pronounce your name correctly, uh, dear listener. It is at Shantilly and her question is I would like to know what a top female tech leader would say to a little girl in primary school to inspire them to get into tech it's, a, it's such a good question and one we do need to ask ourselves because I think in the past um, even at that age tech type uh, subjects have already been quite uh, masculine focused and, and encouraging uh, more boys have been encouraged to take them on the advice I would give is to um, I'd actually suggest that we talk to um, girls about the impact that technology has it isn't really about the code that gets written, it's about the fact that my team puts an app in the hands of 99 million people 99 million people hold our app and scroll and order and you know 
Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. <laughs> 99 million people. Last year, 99 million people ordered. And so I think that's how we bring tech to life. It used to be about, you know, code, and it used to be kind of something specialist. It still is, but the world has changed, and tech is part of everything we do. And actually, if you start to talk about the impact that you can have in this career, you know, the, the ways that you can touch people, like that's inspiring. And I think that's the conversation to have. There's loads of great coding clubs um, all over. I mean, I know the UK, I've got two young children, so I know what's happening in the UK, but uh, I'm sure it's the same here in the Netherlands and in many European countries. Lots of coding clubs, you know, and I think uh, getting girls involved in that and learning how to do it so it doesn't seem like it's something that they can't do and talking about the impact, that's the way to do it. Um, but it's all of our job to keep encouraging girls to to investigate and be curious about this kind of topic and this kind of work. Definitely. So what do you think is the biggest bias about women in tech? There are so many. The biggest bias, I actually think that the biggest bias we're affected by is probably affinity bias. Because the people that lead our organisations typically are men, because many of the people who are in senior roles typically are men, we've tended to therefore promote more men because there's an affinity they like. We are drawn to people who are like ourselves. And, and that's what we need to change if we want to create an environment where more women can succeed and reach their full potential, which is what I really want to see happening. So in terms of impact, I'd probably say that that's the one. I think there's lots of societal bias about women needing to be humble or quiet, not challenging. You know, uh, these women are, tend to be judged much more on what they have done, whereas men tend to be much more judged on their potential. I mean, that's a huge discrepancy. Um, you know, we've all heard the kind of anecdotal things about women being aggressive, men being assertive. So there's definitely, and a lot of that comes from society. Um, but the more that we get women into senior roles, the more women are representing at a high level, I think the more we can kind of quash some of those, um, those, those long-held stereotypes. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your inspiring story and advice with us. We loved it. Uh, our next guest will be Ursula Kralova. She's Chief People Officer at Bloomreach. What would you like to ask her? I, I was thinking about this, and I've got a kind of a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek but serious question. So there's loads of debate about artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the future of tech. Um, and so my question is kind of on this topic. So on a scale of one, not at all, to five completely, where do you think we are in terms of machines taking over from humans today? And where do you think we're going to get to? Oh, I love that question. What is your answer to that question? Um, I think we're kind of low on the scale right now. Yes, there's lots of machine learning, um, you know, and decision algorithms, and we're learning a lot about the technology. And, you know, we have self-driving cars and things like that, but I certainly don't think we're anywhere near it taking over uh, humans right now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic. And... I think the media paints a very different picture from the the reality. And I also think it's a topic that a lot of people don't 
necessarily um, have a lot of detail on. So, uh, so yeah, I'll look forward to hearing, uh, hearing the answer to that one on the next podcast. Thank you so much. And for you, dear listener, great question for you too. So if you know the answer, please head over to our Instagram account, find the post that uh, belongs to this episode and leave your comment right there. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And please check out our website, techunista-academy.com. Follow us on Instagram for more and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you would review or rate us now, we would really appreciate it. This podcast is a collaboration between Techunista and European Women in Technology and is brought to you by Microsoft, the company that makes it its mission to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. The podcast was produced by the editorial team consisting of Jamie Jones and Iris Behrens. Recording, editing and music are by Klaas-Peter Olijnsma. Thanks to Sander Denneman of 1004 Podcasting for helping out. And I'm your host, Viviane Bendermacher.